0: You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S., from law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media/cbf to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, Please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com.
1: Hi everyone. This is Haley Colombo, a reporter at Columbus Business First. I'm the guest host of this podcast, Women of Influence. The podcast features conversations with Columbus's leading women in business, in which they talk about how they gained power, how they keep it, and how other women can follow in their footsteps. Today, we're chatting with Robbie Banks, who recently joined Columbus Partnership as the Program Director for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. What follows is our conversation about Banks' journey in gaining confidence and knowing her value. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Robbie, for joining the Women of Influence podcast. We're so happy to have you.
2: I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: So I wanted to first start um, with asking you about your new role. After several years at Leadership Columbus, you transitioned to the Columbus Partnership in April to lead their diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey to that?
2: Sure. I am in a new position. It was created as a result of, you know, the work that is currently was currently underway before I joined the partnership team. But my role as program director of diversity, equity, and inclusion really marries passions and interests that I've had with that, um, that work. But my job essentially is to shepherd the work that is being done with our members that are the CEOs of our region's employers who have a strong interest and passion in moving our community towards being anti-racist. It's really exciting to be in this space. Previously, I worked at the Columbus Chamber and I'm back in the same office, essentially, where the Columbus Chamber was co-located with the partnership and one Columbus team several years ago. So essentially, it's like coming home. Prior to my role at the Columbus Partnership, I was um, the program director of Leadership Columbus, where I managed the programs there and was there for about two and a half years. I also served as the interim executive director before the current executive director was named. And prior to that, as I mentioned, I was, well, even before that, was at Experience Columbus So Experience Columbus, um, the Convention and Visitors Bureau, um, I was able to lead the Certified Tourism Ambassador Program, get that started, launched, and helped grow it to be the nation's largest Certified Tourism Ambassador Program in the country, as well as launching a brand new initiative that had never been done before called the Experience Dedicated Destination Program. Everything focused on the visitor experience you went to school for
1: for marketing and did you imagine that you know you would be kind of in a diversity equity and inclusion role now like kind of when you first started out was that
2: always a passion for you or is that something that developed over time it developed over time it certainly wasn't something on my radar When I was in undergrad and graduate school, so I made sure to, um, of course, just be a sponge in any room that I was in, starting with, you know, when I worked in Mayor Coleman's office at City Hall, just really had the opportunity to be in the room, learn from others. Then when I was at the Columbus Chamber leading the um, young professionals component of the Attract and Retain Talent Initiative that is probably the, the time when I really was exposed to diversity, equity, inclusion, and how important it was to be at the forefront of our region's priorities. Of course, my focus then was the demographic of young professionals specifically and serving as that clearinghouse for the region. But oftentimes um, I did find myself being the only young person, <laughs> younger person in the room, sometimes the only female. Um, and other times also the only person of color, and I soon recognized how valuable being in that space was and how I needed to embrace that. Not to look at it as a negative, but how do I make sure that I speak up, that I advocate for things that are important to me and my work, my work at the forefront, because oftentimes those were The tables or the rooms I was in was related to work. So they're professional settings, but, you know, I wanted to make sure I was listening more than anything, taking it in and being ready to add any um, input, ask questions when appropriate so that I could make sure that my demographic or my gender or, you know, whatever it may be, um, had a voice at the table. And I, and I really embraced that was some of this
1: kind of unconscious you were doing this and kind of without even realizing that you were doing this or was it, or did you like really notice, you know, oh, I'm the only person of color in this room right now. Like what does, like, what is my responsibility? And what, it seems like that would be kind of a lot to take on in some respects. Like a lot of us are, in a room and we're just trying to represent like what our job description is, let alone like, you know, all of these other kind of aspects of identity. What was that like for you? i sorry, that was several questions in one.
2: Yeah, i I would say for me, it was not the primary reason or that I was at the table or in the room. I didn't see that as like, oh, I was invited to this event or this to be in this meeting because of the color of my skin or my gender. It was because of my, my job responsibilities and what I represented for on behalf of the Columbus Chamber. However, I, I certainly felt that it was important for me to highlight those aspects if it wasn't already apparent, again, when appropriate. But I didn't make it a an issue. I didn't um, necessarily need to raise my hand and speak up like, well, this is, you know, Robbie speaking as the only person of color in the room. I never like made that, um, a highlight, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and granted this was in my early thirties that I was in this role. So I'm a lot more confident now in my early (laughs) forties, um, than I was back then. I really, really have learned a lot and grown, but I recognize that. Um, and for me, that was important for me to internally recognize my place. But more importantly, be ready to speak up and ask those questions if it were appropriate and timely. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it was exciting, an exciting time for me to really step into that. It was a brand new position. So, I was very fortunate to be in that role. And I absolutely loved it, was in that role for five years. But, you know, certainly. I'm excited to see the growth that has happened um, as a result of of the young professionals in the region and how everyone has tried to make uh, this region a really um, attractive, sticky place for that demographic. And I think that's paying dividends. For
1: you, what are some of your, I guess, main kind of personal goals for the role that you have now at uh the Columbus partnership like more so like what does you know advancing diversity equity and inclusion really mean to you in that space like what ideally should change or what ideally should be improved that
2: really matters to you i think more than anything my hope is that for myself to continue learning to be a continuous learner, and educating myself and being more aware. Um, self-awareness is key, I think, in any leadership position, really any position period. I think this is an effort focusing on aligning the community behind or around diversity, equity, inclusion is certainly a marathon, not a sprint. This is not something that we're going to do in a few months, a few years. It We need to work towards being at the forefront of having this being a sustainable um, strategy so that is something that takes a lot of learning a lot of listening on my end and educating myself because even though i've been in columbus my entire life there are a lot of initiatives and programs and organizations that are doing this work and have been doing this work but i may not even be aware of them or just only surface level aware of them so it's more than just educating myself but we at the partnership are educating our staff um, internally. And then also the CEOs around the table, our members that are involved in this work through the, the DEI work groups are fully invested in this strategy and how do we make sure we move the needle. And that's all things that we are still um, working to figure out. But for me, I really, I look at it as just continuous learning and growing. And the only way that I'm going to be able to help impact change as if I personally look internally at myself and see how that I can um, influence uh, those around me. And you, you mentioned that, you know, a
1: lot has changed kind of personally for you, you know, early 30s compared to early 40s as far as your own kind of confidence and ability to maybe possibly self-advocate or advocate on behalf of others. What has that confidence journey been like for you and what have you learned over, you know, the last 10 years, you
2: know, (laughs) where you are now? Wow. That's a, that's a big question. Um, I've learned so much, first of all, thanks to the great positions I've been in. Um, and just honestly, just the vast network of people that I have had the privilege to Uh, work with and learn from so anywhere from the signature program participants at leadership columbus which is anywhere from 55 to 65 individuals every single year i touched three different classes during my time there that was about 170 people and certainly looked at that as uh, an opportunity to learn from them because they are leaders themselves and we're helping develop, we would help them develop their um, capacity for community leadership development. You know, I also went through the program. Um, I was able to go through the program in my mid 20s when I worked at the city of Columbus. And that really set me on the path to understand wow, there, I can literally make a career out of helping Columbus uh, thrive. And that really exposed me to the work that I currently do. But the confidence came from just honestly, just lots of interactions and conversations, being in the room, having a voice, learning my voice and people looking to me and expecting me to speak up quite honestly. There was a time where I kind of would sit back and just more or less listen and observe And again, there's a time and a place for that, especially as someone new to the team. (laughs) I'm still doing a lot of that. But now I think because of my experience, people look to me to speak up. I don't always need to, but that is certainly the expectation that comes along with being a leader and helping to advance this important work. You know, also facilitation. I never would have guessed that I'd be standing in front of a room facilitating classes and trainings and programs, speaking in front of thousands of people at the Experience Columbus annual meeting, I was terrified of public speaking. <laughs> if you asked me to do that in college, I would have been terrified. So that was something I had to learn over time. And it only happened because I was kind of thrust <laughs> to do it. No one asked yeah. me, you want to do this? It was like, okay, we need you to do that. So right. that's what you're going to do. Um, because of the roles I was in, right? It was, there was a lot of the roles I've been in have been external facing, so there was no hiding.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's super interesting that that doesn't necessarily like come naturally to you because I would kind of think that it would, but you really just had to, like you said, jump into it and just
2: throw her in the deep end type thing. (laughs) Exactly, and I, you know, I certainly cringed at the fact, you know, when I, I learned that I needed to start, you know, speaking and being in front of a room, but I got over it really quickly. People were kind. (laughs) I, I had to prepare, of course, that certainly helps. And I also had great leaders and supervisors that trusted me, gave me the resources that were needed, and also just really helped boost my confidence. And I've had Amazing um, mentors as well uh, throughout my career, whether they were you know defined as mentors or not, I look back and think of all the people that have taken me under their wing, if you will, and that led to uh, certainly boosting my confidence, knowing my value too that's super important to anyone, not just a woman, but knowing your value that's something i'm still honestly working on
1: for people who haven't necessarily thought about that as 'Cause I'm sitting here thinking, like, I, I don't know that I've necessarily thought about that as like something that I should think about. But like, how do you go about thinking about that? Is it does it come from feeling undervalued at a certain risk like at a certain point and then having to kind of problem solve that? Or does it just Or is this something that everyone should, even if they don't feel necessarily undervalued, that everyone should think about for themselves?
2: Well, you know, I'll I'll be really honest with you. Um, It hit me in the face when I was considering looking for another position because I felt that my pay, my salary, did not justify like the amount of work and value that I brought to uh the organization so I had never tried to negotiate salary in my life I'll just be honest with you I just would say okay that sounds great and just take it right again goes back to confidence Mm -hmm. granted you know I was young but certainly had I probably spoken up for myself earlier on in my career i probably would have understood the true value of what i bring to the table then because you know as women sometimes we just are shy don't want to speak up for ourselves or don't feel it's right might show you know that we're too assertive or whatever it may be but for me i i just always grew up being very modest grew up very a modest upbringing and did not value. I didn't think that money was like not the driving factor of any of my career decisions. Obviously, I worked in retail for many years uh, before I went to the city of Columbus and completely did a detour. And then I've worked in nonprofits. Uh, so clearly that's not been something that's been driving me. But, you know, there was a time where I thought, you know what, I I think I should ask for more money based on what I have done, what I've accomplished, what I will continue to do for this great organization. And it's time for me to go ahead and just say it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was able to negotiate a higher salary. I had to wait a little bit for it, but it really gave me a lot of, it, it really boosted me in terms of okay, I know my value. Now I need to state what it is. Otherwise no one will ever give me what I, yeah. what I, think I deserve as far as a salary. Yeah. If I don't advocate for myself, who else is going to do that? That's no one else's job, but my own.
1: I feel like there, I mean, obviously I I could probably quickly research <laughs> on the internet right now. Like there's obviously a gender differential about folks, you know, people like likelihood of asking for a raise or negotiating in salary, um, or like negotiating salary in a job offer. So, was that something you were ever taught? Because I know that I certainly was not, and it took me a couple jobs to even understand that that's something I should be doing. And. So no. is that, yeah. So what was your, like, how did you kind of realize like, uh, oh, this is something that maybe I'm not doing and it might have to do a little bit with my gender and what I was kind
2: of socialized to do. Right. So, you know, because I came from pretty humble, uh, beginnings, my family, we never talked about like fairness and salaries and that was never something that I grew up around like talking about, you know, it was like, you work hard, you put, you, you put your time in in terms of working hard earning a paycheck and that's life. And, you know, you make the most of what you have, um, and you be grateful. (laughs) So that's why for me, it was, it was uncomfortable to talk, ever talk about money. And I will go back to, you know, one of my first jobs working in retail, where I was in a supervisory role, they made it clear, even before I was a supervisor, they made it very clear. You are not to share your, your hourly wage with anyone. Um, you could be reprimanded for it. So it was looked, you know, as a bad thing. So you never talked about your what you made compared to someone else that um, worked with you because, of course, there was probably a little bit of a divide. Granted, I worked with a lot of females, but that was like a no, no. So I kind of had it in my head in my, well, I started that job at 19. You, you're not to talk about pay. You don't need to know what other people are making has nothing to do with you. Right. That's just kind of my, that was my mindset for Mm -hmm. a long time. And again, because money was never something that in fairness, wasn't something that I grew up talking about. (laughs) I don't know. Something just triggered me. I think when I realized like I'm, you know what, I am making stuff happen and I'm very proud of the work that I've done and I've worked really, really hard, been surrounded by amazing people personally and professionally. And I know that I had mentors that said, you know what, this is what you need to do. Like you need to speak up for yourself. And if you don't ask, it's never going to happen. So that really (laughs) um, illuminated some things for me um, that gave me The boost that I needed to just go for it, Um, and again, that really that made a big impact on me in terms of understanding my value and my worth, um, at least from a salary standpoint. It's
1: interesting, like you know, obviously when you talk about value, that's kind of the 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 main category. I, I don't know why I was like thinking about it in another fashion, more like soft, as opposed to like the money aspect. But I think that money we don't talk about it enough and i think it is it's something i know too that when i talk with young journalists i talk about money a lot with them because i want them to know that it's okay to talk about with like a trusted peer right you know like that um it's okay to like these things that we've been socialized to kind of believe that never discuss your pay with anyone it's like well if you never discuss your pay with anyone you will never find out if there is some if there's an unfairness going on and right. like you deserve to have that rectified so that's i mean i don't know what your kind of relationship is like are do you serve as a mentor to anyone now and have you Like, how have you, I guess, taken this knowledge and, you know, kind of filtered it down to to the next generation? Or is that something that you've done?
2: I wouldn't say I have any formal mentee-mentor relationships, but I always look to serve as someone informally that can be a sounding board. That can, you know, I'm not going to thrust my... (laughs) my wisdom, my knowledge, yeah. um, my opinion on anyone um, if they don't ask uh, for it. But, you know, I have worked with, you know, young men and women both that will ask about my experience, ask my opinion about something, and I'm happy to share it. And I i consider myself an open book. <laughs> but again, it, it, you got to be professional and diplomatic. But i I think that it's, Incumbent upon me and anyone in a, a position that can of influence to serve as a mentor. Um, again, if it's not even a formalized uh, relationship, but I look to anyone that I'm working around that can mentor me. <laughs> Even reverse mentoring, but I also want to be someone that's mentoring others always,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not just because someone reports to me, but any colleague. So especially young younger people, mm-hmm. um, because I look at people I work around and while they may be younger, certainly a lot of them are a lot wiser than I think I was at that age. So <laughs> it, I, I don't know, like, I, I'm always like, wow, like, I don't think I carried myself that way. Yeah. Um, you know, in my early to mid twenties, I don't think I had that much confidence, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I keep bringing that up, but you know, it, I think it comes, a lot of it comes back to, you know, that level of confidence knowing your your worth. But I I certainly, that wasn't something I really kind of focused on until probably the most recent years. Uh, I was able to quickly find some stats.
1: So Robert Half, a global staffing firm based in California, found in 2018 that 68% of men negotiate their salaries while only 45% of women negotiate their salaries. That is definitely, I knew that there was a gender kind of differential there, but it's interesting to see that kind of in a, in a statistic. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you think could be done by employers? On the one hand, I think it's obviously important to, to, you know, talk to women about this um, and encourage them. But is there anything that you think could be done from an employer kind of standpoint on? you know, helping more women think about this for themselves? Or is that not really their role? Is it, does it more so have to come from within? What are your thoughts
2: on that? I think that's something that's to come from within. Yeah. I, you, you have to advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. and you have to be your number one advocate. And certainly there are going to be people that help you along the way, but it's not, in my opinion, it's not your employer's job yeah. <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Um, again, like that's why it's great to be surrounded by a lot of people with various, uh, expertise and knowledge backgrounds, even culturally, because culturally for me, that wasn't something like, as I mentioned, that was uh discussed uh i just grew up knowing like you don't ask people how much they paid for whatever right (laughs) that's a no-no yeah Uh, salary and such wasn't something that i ever looked to as being important to compare myself and and also i don't i don't think it's beneficial to compare yourself to others you just got to look at yourself and say you know what what is it that i bring What value do I bring to the organization or the company? Um, What skills do I have? What, you know, am I fully utilizing these skills um, first and foremost? And then that's where it starts Mm -hmm. Um, because you could have tons of experience and skills and expertise, but it may not be the right opportunity for you, or you may not be able to fully utilize those skills to really shine. Therefore, it's probably not the right role for you. So it's just a matter of like really understanding and uncovering that too um to make sure you're you are fulfilled in your role because let's be honest, we spend you want a f- over a third of our our day working right at least <laughs> yeah, and sh- shouldn't we be happy and fulfilled? I absolutely am a firm believer in that
1: so what are you do you have any kind of personal goals for the next part of your career um about anything that you want to do to to be more happy and fulfilled, you know, with all kind of aspects of your life?
2: Well, I certainly um, feel like I, I'm doing it. So I'm very fortunate and I'm not trying to be cheesy here, but that I, I was very um, happy that this opportunity came about and just so grateful. And I've been very grateful for all the jobs I've had because it brought me to this job, and what a, an immense opportunity it is. But honestly, I haven't given a lot of thought recently to um, what's next for me. I think it's because I'm <laughs> in week seven. Yeah. Um, I am I've jumped into the deep end <laughs> immediately from day one. because I'm such a community oriented person, I will continue my service on nonprofit boards or committee work. But being mindful of not spreading myself too thin, that's something I also have had to learn to do is like recognize like truly my capacity and make sure that I can focus on my priorities before I start, you know, giving time and talent and sometimes money to, to things that I I would like to support, but maybe Time is more valuable than anything else for certain aspects of my my career. So um, it's that constant push pull feeling. I think it's important for us as leaders to make sure we are giving back to our community. So even if it's just volunteering quarterly, for instance, that was one of my goals that I recently set. I'm going to volunteer for um, a different organization. You know, some uh, an organization that I haven't you know, served on their board before. Invite others to join me doing service projects. Just getting uh, more familiar with what's out there in terms of our social service agencies and those needs around us in our community is, is something that we have to all stack hands for. And that has been one of my personal goals is just to be more involved. I just, again, have to recognize that I don't have all the time that I want to devote currently to that. So I have to be very selective. I also am a freelance makeup artist. Oh, (laughs) Um, yes! I was going to ask you about that. I thought, um,
1: I saw that on your LinkedIn. That is so cool.
2: Yes. it's, It's my creative outlet. Um, I've been in the cosmetics industry now 24 years. I really enjoy that. So I, I mostly have clients on the weekends, mostly uh, brides and bridal parties, but you know, that is something that also I have to balance, um, because I've always had multiple jobs (laughs) since my, I've worked two or three jobs at a time. I'm recognizing that that's, you know, Hey, like, Hey, how about like, you need some time to revive and And enjoy. So I've scaled back quite a bit in the past mm-hmm. couple of years with my freelance makeup, but I really enjoy it because it truly is a, a great way to express my creativity. And also that people interaction that I absolutely love since I'm such a people centric person. Yeah. And, and I get to interact with people on a most wonderful day of their life. So it brings yeah. me joy. So it
1: sounds like that's not something that really kind of adds stress to you. It's more something that is like a stress
2: reliever of doing that. Is that is that accurate? To some extent, yes. <laughs> unless it's <laughs> unless it's um, you know the juggle of scheduling. I guess you know yeah. making sure that I have time available to accommodate my clients as well as my personal obligations. I'm from a big family that's really close. Raw. I meet at families all here in Columbus and actually most of my extended family lives in Columbus. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy spending time with my friends and family. So that, that becomes stressful sometimes because I'm trying to balance like, Oh, I have this client, but yet there's like three other things I need to do today. And I need to start, you know, my Saturday starts at 6am. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, why did I do this to myself? Yeah. That's when it becomes stressful yeah. just because it's self-induced. Right.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. We all, we all do that. You're like, past me? Why? Why would you do this?
2: Yes. Um,
1: so to kind of leave it on maybe like an inspiring note, I guess, is there anything that you feel particularly inspired by right now? whether it's, you know, uh, a person or in the work they're doing or a quote that you saw or anything out there right now that you have gravitated toward that's either bringing you joy, inspiring you, helping you be more, you know, peaceful and grounded?
2: Honestly, I I think uh, just focusing, remember to focus on my health and well-being. So I recently started a new, uh, going to a new workout uh, facility where it's 20 minutes of spinning followed by 20 minutes of strength training, followed by 20 minutes of yoga. Yes. And I love yoga. Um, but you know, just to, when I'm was trying, especially during the pandemic to like incorporate working out with working (laughs) from home, yoga seemed to be like the last, like the back burner thing, like, Oh, I'll get around to doing that. And then I never would. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's actually bringing me a lot of joy because I want to make sure that I am strong, stronger and have the endurance for the Pelotonia ride this year. Yeah. Thus, the spinning. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, strength training is a big part of that. And then I also just want to be in a good headspace. So it's, it's been a commitment I've made to myself. I have to prioritize my health and well-being, and it starts with making sure that I go to these workout classes that I pay for. Yeah. Um, and typically, I like working out with it's a group, you know, fitness class. But I don't know anyone. That's okay because it doesn't need everything. I do doesn't need to be social. I realize yeah. I'm a very social person. Yeah, but you know that's actually bringing me a lot of joy and centering me and grounding me right now. I hope oh, yeah. I can keep it up for a while, but I'm sure yeah. at some point I'll, I'll there will be another challenge I want to make like i don't know like uh, people that are you know climbing mountains um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know as part of their vacation experience <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> that like something like that I would love to work towards like some bigger goal, but right now um the short term is. Participating in my tenth Pelotonia this year, um, which I'm so happy will be in person. So yeah. I'm I'm really excited for that.
1: That's fantastic. I love that what you're doing is keeping you, you know, grounded and. Um finding that kind of moment of moment of peace in your day. So well thank you so much, Robbie, for joining. I really appreciate it. This has been awesome. You're welcome. It's been- you're welcome and thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, we'll see you later.
2: Okay.